Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. Glad you are here. It has been good to worship together as the body of Christ, uh, as God wants us to. And so I'm so glad that you are here. So uh, I want to just tag off of one thing that Jeff mentioned about Christmas Open Communion. So uh, if you don't quite know fully what to expect with that, that's normal because a lot of people don't. Uh, most of us know what communion is. It's when we celebrate the death of Jesus on the cross, his, the spilling of his blood, the breaking of his body for our sins, right? That's what communion is. Uh, but what is Christmas open communion? What it is very simply is, uh, it's very different than almost everything else that we do at Christmas. It is very quiet. This place, this village center is transformed. It's dark. We do it at night, obviously. And you come in and it's going to be quiet. There's candlelight. There's live music, but it's quiet. <laughs> it's not like boom, 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 like what we just did, which is awesome. I kind of prefer that, to be honest. Uh, but it's very contemplative. It's reflection. It is a time for what Laura has already mentioned, Jess has mentioned. You notice the theme, apparently, this morning is to take a breath. Like just a... And next Sunday night is a chance for you to go... And I will say this. This might scare some of you away, but I'm just going to be honest about it. It is one of the most intense and personal things that you ever walk through. Because you will walk into a room and it'll be just you or your family, your spouse, whoever you bring with you. And we'll sit you around a table and there'll be candlelight there. And we're going to serve you communion and then we pray for you. Very specifically for whatever you ask us to pray for you about. And then we pray for you and your spouse, your family, or just you if it's just you by yourself. And so let me encourage you next Sunday night three-hour window, and we're going to have some activities. It's the first time we've ever done that. We're going to have activities here in the sitting area, uh, and then you'll go to that room and you'll do that. And so we would love to serve you communion. We'd love to pray for you. We do anyway, but we'd love to do it in person. So just consider that. Think about doing that, and uh, we'll see you next week. And then, of course, after that, candlelight services. I'll talk about that a lot more next Sunday, uh, but gear up and get ready for that because that is uh, just going to be awesome. All right, so glad that you're here. Um, so I don't know about you, but I know we all like different kinds of entertainment and movies and things like that. I am a fantasy sci-fi guy, right? Some of you are like, you know, comedy movies. Some of you are like dramas and epics and things like that. That's cool. I'm a fantasy sci-fi guy. So one of the things that I like is Star Wars, right? Anybody, any Star Wars fans in here willing to admit? All right, all right. Now, now I know, here's what I know. I know we have a few people People in our church who are like, like, I like Star Wars, but there are some people that they have everything from Star Wars. Like, they've got the figurines, right? They know all the things, all that kind of stuff. Now, let me just tell you, Star Wars, the storyline is very simple in Star Wars, right? The storyline is very simple. Good versus evil. Done. <laughs> like, that's what it is. Star Wars is good versus evil evil. That's, that's, that's very simple, but that's what it is. And, and it's really this, this small group of rebels fighting against the evil empire, right? Even the early episodes, the middle episodes, the old ones, the original ones, right? And some of you are like, that's the real Star Wars. Okay, I get it. Say 70s and 80s. And then the new stuff, but it's all the same thing. Good versus evil, small band fighting against the big establishment, right? That's what it is. Now, what we all know is the original Star Wars movies had a hero, you, got, you guys know what the hero is, right? He's the guy that becomes the Jedi. He grows up from this little boy and becomes this massive hero, Luke Skywalker, right? Now, we know he's the hero. That's clear because the whole story centers around him, essentially. But then there's a whole bunch of main characters. 
You know, remember the main characters? We have Princess Leia, right? Woo! Does this not bring back good times, right? Some of you are like, I remember when I went to that movie, right? Back in 19, what was it, 77 or whatever it was, when that first one came out. And that was a big deal, right? But we have Princess Leia, and we have R2-D2 and C-3PO. You have, uh, you have all the other guys, right? And you have, you have Yoda. You even have Darth Vader. He's a main character. Not a, not a good one, but he's a main character, right? Now, the truth is, if you think about all of these main characters, they have huge impact on the story of Star Wars, don't they? Huge impact. Luke Skywalker's the hero, but without these main characters, Luke Skywalker can't do anything, right? The main characters impact and influence the story in a huge, huge way. So, why do I bring that up? Here's why I bring that up. Because today, we're going to jump back into our Christmas story series, and it's very simply called The Story of Christmas. And what we talked about last week, we started it last week, this is our second week, we're talking about the story of Christmas, the real story of Christmas, the one in the Bible. And we're talking about the fact that stories generally have four main parts. They have a problem to solve, they have main characters, they have supporting characters, and they have a hero. Generally speaking, most stories, that's what they have. A problem to solve, main characters, supporting characters, and then a hero. Last week, we talked about the problem that the Christmas story has to solve. What's the problem that the Christmas story has to solve? It's simple, right? Sin. It's our separation from God, isn't it? It's our separation from God. That's the problem that the Christmas story has to solve. That's the problem that God had to solve, and that's the whole point of the Christmas story. Now, we talked about the problem, sin, but this week, we're going to talk about the main characters. Now, if you think about the Christmas story... You think about probably, I hope, the hero, right? We already know who the hero is, the Christmas story, right? But do you ever think about the main characters? The main characters that surrounded the Christmas story, that made all of the things that happened with Jesus possible from a human perspective. So I want to talk about the main characters this morning. And, uh, and we're going to start with probably the one that's probably the most famous, the well, most well-known main character of the Christmas story, and that is Mary. Mary is pretty critical to this whole thing. Right? Those of you uh, that have delivered a baby, you know that's pretty important. Right? That's, probably, that's a really important piece to the whole thing. Right? And so Mary is a main character. So I'm going to read for you how she finds out. We're going to read the story about how she finds out that she's going to be part of God's story, the Christmas story, and bringing the Messiah, the Savior of the world, to the world. All right? Let's read it. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 26. Here we go. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's one of Mary's relatives, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, rightly so, right? She was just interrupted in her normal day by an angel. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. It's a really, really good question. 
The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Now, I don't know about you, but that's kind of a big day for Mary, right? To say the least. Mary is doing whatever she's doing. It's a normal day, and all of a sudden, woo, Gabriel's right there. I don't know about you, but how many of you would love that you turn around in the kitchen, you're making dinner, and all of a sudden, like, the angel's like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> how many of you are going to be like, jump out of your skin, right? You're going to be like, ah! Right? Well, I don't know if that's what Mary did, but either way, like, that was like, normal day, and boom, Gabriel's there. And she's like, hey, greetings, favored woman. And she's like, what is going on? Right? I, I, you know she's thinking that. This is crazy. And then the angel, it gets crazier because then the angel says, hey, Mary, guess what? You're going to have a baby. Woo, yay. It's like, wait a minute. I don't know how that works. It's a good question, right? Because uh, this doesn't make any sense. How am I going to have a baby? Because I'm a virgin and all that kind of stuff. These are good questions. Imagine just the moment of Mary realizing that her story, catch this, the gravity of this. Her story was being written. She had already written the next few pages. She knows where she's going. She's engaged to be married to this guy named Joseph. They know where they're going to go. They know where they're going to live. They know what he does for a living. They already have the story figured out. And God has just informed Mary, that's a great story, but it's not your story. Wow, that's a big change. Isn't it? All of a sudden, her story is being rewritten in a moment. Nope, that's not your story. This is your story. Have you ever hit a moment? I'm just going to pause and ask this question. Have you ever hit a moment in your life where everything changed? I bet you have, haven't you? A lot of you went to a, a bad time when everything in your life turned. But it doesn't always have to be just bad, does it? We remember those because why? Because they're attached to pain, and so they're right there at the surface, aren't they? But sometimes they're also also really so really really good really good turns, right? Things that are unexpected. Have you had those moments in life where you thought this is the story that's being written, this is the direction I'm going, and all of a sudden it's like a ninety degree. Here we go. Or how many of you have had a U-turn? We're going the other direction. This is what Mary's experiencing. Blew her mind. Disorienting, I'm glad. Now, the question is, remember I brought up Star Wars, the main characters, right? They have huge influence on the story. You know what the biggest factor is for Princess Leia, Yoda, uh, all of those main characters, Han Solo. I didn't mention Han Solo and Chewbacca. You know, like all this stuff. And Yoda and how he talks, like, yes. Be good, you must, yes, right? Or whatever he said. I don't know, I can't be Yoda, right? I try, but no. Hey, but the main characters, you know what the biggest factor is for the Star Wars main characters is? The biggest factor that main, makes them main characters is their response when they're asked to be part of the story. You know what's powerful about those characters surrounding Luke Skywalker? It's that they said yes to be in the midst of the story. If they say no, 
We don't know about them. Now, I know, Star Wars was made up. You guys are like, you do know that that was a made up story. Yeah, I do. But this story, not made up. It's real. Real people that had their story completely changed and altered in a moment. And Mary was one of them. My question to you is, when that story changes, if you're going to be a main character in the story, which let me just tell you, newsflash, you are. You're a main character in God's story. But if you're going to be the part that you're supposed to be in that story, the question becomes, what is your response going to be when God shows up, when God asks you whatever he asks you? And so the question is, what is Mary's response in this moment, right? That's, that's an important question. When Mary gets this huge day, Gabriel says, hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby. It's going to be the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of your world. Like, you're going to change the world through your life. The question is, what does Mary do? Because I don't know about you, but change sometimes is hard for me. Anybody else struggle with change sometimes? I do. What is Mary's response? Let's read it. Very next verse from where I stopped. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I don't know if we catch how big that is. Right? In this moment, we have to understand Mary had a decision. God gave her a choice. He did. He gave her a choice. In that moment, God is saying, hey, Mary... This is what I want you to do. You're going to give birth to the Messiah, the Son, the Savior of the world. And this is what I'm asking you to do. And Mary could have said, you know what? That sounds awesome, but I already have my story written. Right? I mean, that's what she could have said. She could have said that. Instead of stepping in, she could have stepped out. She could have said, Gabriel, I don't know who you are, but you're crazy. Uh, Thank you. I'd like to get back to what I was doing. Right? That's what she could have said. She could have stepped out. She could have said no, but instead she immediately responds with belief and obedience. Now, I want us to understand this. If somebody, I just, just, I want you to just imagine this for a minute because it's, it's hard for us to imagine how big this is. If somebody comes to you, okay, maybe they look like an angel, maybe they don't. I don't know if Gabriel looked like an angel. Maybe he just like a nor- looked like a normal guy. Can, can you imagine that? Can you imagine how scary that would be? Turns around and be like, hey, what, oh, don't worry, I'm Gabriel. Right. Who cares? I don't know who Gabriel is, right? And he's like, I'm an angel. Like, it's okay. That's why he says, don't be afraid. That's why angels say that. I think it's kind of a, it's an intense thing when people see angels. But imagine if somebody comes to you and say, hey, so, uh, you know, I know you're a virgin and all, but um, you're going to have a baby. And what would you say? You'd be like, uh, you're crazy. Get away from me. I'm going to call 911. Right? Is, is that not how our response would be? Probably what mine would be. Because it doesn't make any sense. And so Mary, she leans in. Just in a moment, she leans in and she says, okay, not only do I believe what you said, but may everything you said about me come true. Everything. She said yes. When she could have stepped out, she instead stepped in. And that's huge. Now, we have to tackle this. Mary's not the only one involved in this story, right? 
I mean, she's engaged to this guy named Joseph. I don't know, how, how many of you think that maybe Joseph should be looped in on this? I mean, what do you think, right? They're engaged to be married, and, and Joseph does not know. I don't know why God chose to do this. I've made this point a couple of times before in, in past Christmases. Why did God choose to tell Mary and then not tell Joseph until later? Was he messing with him? He's like, man, this is going to be fun for Joseph. <laughs> Watch this. I don't think God's messing with him. But for some reason, he tells Mary, and then he tells Joseph later. This is why we know that. Let me read about what happens, how Joseph finds out that he's going to be involved in this story. Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to start with verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. We know all that, right? Because we just read that first part. Joseph to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Let me just stop there for a moment, okay? I've explained this in great detail in past Christmases, okay? I'm not gonna go into detail on this, but I'm gonna give you just a snippet because it's important to understand. When two people were engaged back in this time in Jesus' day, it was not like they were engaged. Today, when we're engaged, it's kind of like, yep, we're headed toward marriage. We're pretty sure it's going to work out. That's kind of our intent. Like, that's what we're going to do. That's what engagement is today. That's not what engagement was back then. When you got engaged, you were married. Not legally understand, like all the rights of marriage did not engage at that point. They weren't living together. They weren't doing all this stuff. But, but they are legally married. There was an actual legal contract that was bound when you got engaged. Like you're, it's a done deal already. You're engaged. You're married. They actually call, even in scripture we read this, that they call each other husband and wife. Even though they're not legally married yet. Okay? Engagement back then was not like a promise to do it. It's like you're already in. Okay? So Joseph and Mary are already basically married even though it hasn't become legal yet. Does that make sense? It's totally different than how we think of engagement. And so th don't think of engagement as what we think of. That's the wrong way to think about it. Totally different. And so when it says Joseph was having in mind to divorce her quietly, you say, why does he have to divorce her? They're not married. They are. They absolutely are. And this is devastating to him because he thinks that Mary's been unfaithful. Catch that. He thinks Mary's been unfaithful. And so, and this is huge. This tells you how amazing Joseph is. He wanted to divorce her quietly. This is why. Because if he divorces her publicly, then Mary's life is literally in danger of being executed. That was the punishment for what she apparently did her unfaithfulness. I know that seems harsh in our day and age, but that was the law back then. It is very possible if he disgraces her publicly, she could be executed for it. And he doesn't want that. He also don't want, doesn't want to publicly shame her. Now, why is that a big deal? Because Joseph, when he doesn't do this publicly, what that does is it keeps his story tied with hers even though they still might be separate. If he does it publicly, you know what that says? She messed up. I want nothing to do with her. My story, my reputation is no longer tied. This is going to affect his business. This is going to affect his life for the rest of his life. He's tied with this woman named Mary who is now tarnished in the eyes of other people. I just want us to catch the gravity of this. 
And so Joseph doesn't want to do any of that. He's willing to still stay tied with Mary. Why? Because he genuinely loves and cares about her. He's a righteous man. This is amazing. Okay, so let's go on. As he, as Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So Mary finds out, and now through a dream, the angel comes into the midst of the dream And tells Joseph, Joseph, it's okay. Take Mary as your wife. The story's still good. We just kind of changed how the beginning's going to (laughs) go. And the rest of your life. And so Joseph's like, okay. And so the question becomes, how does Joseph respond? Because I don't know about you, but isn't that not crazy? How many of you have had a dream where you kind of wake up and you go, well, that was a weird one. Anybody? I've had a few of those where I go, I wake up and I'm like, oh, yeah, reality. That was weird. Right? And there's people in my dream that I'm like, I barely even know. I'm like, why were they wearing a chicken costume? You know? I'm just kidding. I haven't had one of those, but probably coming now that I said it out loud. Right? But it's just, it's those weird, it's the weird thing. And so Joseph has this dream and he's got this angel and he says, Joseph, it's okay. Take me as your wife. It's okay. This is through the Holy Spirit. It's fine. And, and so the, the question is, what's his response? Because this seems crazy. Let me read for you what his response is. It's pretty amazing as well. Next couple of verses, Matthew chapter 1. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. I don't know about you, but I have to put notes in my phone when Laura sends me to the grocery store. Joseph remembered all the details from a dream. That's pretty amazing. I mean, he's like, yeah, okay, Mary is my wife. I got a name of Jesus. Like, okay, got it. Cool. Do you notice what Joseph did? Joseph leans in and he says, okay, I believe you. I'm going to be obedient. Let's go. That's crazy. Can you just, I just want you to imagine Joseph and Mary trying to explain to their family and to the village and to everybody else. They're trying to explain, no, 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 really, it's okay. It's the Holy Spirit. And everybody's like, yeah, sure it is. How many of you accept that right away when somebody says that to you? It's, no, 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 really, it's the Holy Spirit. Uh Uh-huh, okay. Let's sit down and have a talk, right? But that's what they have to do. This is the life they're accepting. It's crazy. Now, I've talked about good responses, right? Joseph and Mary, when the story is turned on a moment and the page is flipped on them, the, the, the book is completely renewed and changed, their response is, I'm in. Yes, let's step in. But now let's be honest. There's another response when God calls on us. And maybe this is one that you've had to wrestle with. The other response is to fight it. Right? The other response that we can have to God is to push back against God and say, you know what? I don't like this story. I don't want to be involved in this story. I don't want this story. Thank you for asking God, but the answer is no. Right? That's a possible response that we can have to God. We can push God away, and when he wants us to step in, we can step out. 
Let me give you an illustration of this. So several years ago, many years ago actually, several years ago, that makes it sound like it was just a few. It was a long time ago. My, my younger brother Bryce was getting married, okay? Um, and he was getting married to a gal named Brittany, and they're still happily married. They have three kids. They're amazing. Uh, and so during this, you know, the, the weekend of the wedding, everything, Laura and I have to fly to North Carolina for the wedding, for the whole wedding weekend, right? And so we book a flight. Jackson at the time was a baby, right? He was not even a year old, so he's a baby. Um, and, uh, and so we have the flight booked, and we don't even need a seat for him and all kind of stuff. And the first flight was great. We fly into Detroit, which is our connecting flight, and from Detroit we'll fly to North Carolina, okay? The problem is Detroit was getting hammered by a snowstorm, okay? So we just barely got into Detroit. The plane landed in Detroit. I mean, snow flying like crazy. It's crazy. And we get down, we're there, and within about half an hour to an hour, they, you know what they do, right? They close the airport, ground all flights, and so now we're stuck at the Detroit airport. And the Detroit airport is okay, but it's still an airport, okay? You understand. So it's Laura and I and our first child, right? Jackson, he's a baby. He's like, I don't know, however many months old. And so we're in the Detroit airport for the next two hours. You know what we did, right? Because you all, probably a lot of you have been in this situation. We stepped up to the counter. We talked to the nice lady. Then we talked to another nice guy. We talked to a different lady. We wrangled with them. We're like, we really need to get to North Carolina and, and all this kind of stuff. But all the flights are closed. The, the airport's closed. Like they're shut down right? And so we're wrangling, we're wrangling, and here's the problem. We don't have a car seat to get the baby safely anywhere, right? We don't have our luggage. We don't have a change of clothes. We got, we had just enough diapers to get us through the flights, right? And so all the extra diapers, like all of them in this big plastic package, I remember packing that sucker, like shoving it down. Thankfully, diapers squish, right? Zip it, you know, knee into it. Have you ever done the knee zip thing? The knee zip thing happened before we left, right? So everything's in there. We've got nothing. We don't have food. We have nothing. And we've got a baby. And Jackson's tired. And he's, you know. My wife is like, no, she was better than that. Slightly, slightly better than that. And so we're wrangling, we're wrangling, and it's not happening. And finally we get to, it's like, I think it was 11 o'clock at night. I mean, it was late. And Laura's finally like, we've got to do something. We, I, we can't. And they're trying to put us in this ew motel. You know what I'm talking about, about an ew motel? That's the kind of motel where you walk in and you're like, I don't think I want to touch anything. I, I, don't, I don't want to touch the door to get in to the room. That kind of a hotel. And I'm like, okay, number one, we can't safely get the baby there. Number two, I'm not staying in that hotel, right? I, I'm just not doing that. And so I lost it. I did. I lost it. I walked up to the counter and I said, listen, I don't know what you need to do and I don't know who you need to call, but we're not leaving here. You're going to put us up in the hotel that's connected to the airport because we don't have a car seat to get the baby out. I don't know what you need to do. I don't know who you need to call, but you need to do it. And you need to do it right now because it's 11 o'clock and I'm done. And you need to point us in a direction where we can find some diapers and play. Like I just lost it. And I had been really nice for two hours, right? And I was still nice. I didn't swear at him. I, just, I, was, just, I was basically like that. It was really intense. And, and I never took my eyes off of I stared her straight through her head. It was almost like there was somebody behind her that I was talking to because I wanted to make sure she felt the piercing, right? I'm serious. I was like, 
right? And I, I'm pretty sure I had my finger too. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I lost it. You know why? Because I don't deal with my story being changed. I wanted to play golf with my brother and the guys the next day. I was going to miss that. I was ticked. How many of you deal with the change in your story really well? Or how many of you more maybe like me? I don't deal with it well. I don't. I don't like it. I don't want anybody else writing my story. I want to write my own story. And God says, yeah, but I have a better story. And, I, and this is a change that needs to happen. I need you to go with me on this. Let me give you one more main character that didn't respond well. We don't hear about him very much in the Christmas story. We don't like to talk about him. You know why? Because it's a brutal part of the story. This is actually a part of the Christmas story. We just never talk about it. It's kind of like that, that other relative that you're like, eh, let's not talk about that. Right? That, that's this guy. The main character in this Christmas story. Joseph and Mary, oh, we love that. Shepherds, ah, oh, angels, ooh, singing in the sky, doing all that. The wise men, they brought gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, this is all wonderful. And then there's this guy. You know who it is? King Herod. King Herod. So when the wise men from the east arrive, they're, they're following the star, right? They're looking for Jesus, and they're like, but they don't know where he is. And so they go to King Herod, and they say, hey, King Herod, where is the newborn king of the Jews? That's what they said. I was like, that's a bad thing to say to the king. Right? Where's the newborn king of the Jews? And Herod's in his head. He doesn't say this out loud. But he's thinking, I'm the king of the Jews. Where's the newborn king of the Jews? And so he's like, he asks about this and he says, okay, when you find Jesus, let me know so that I can go and worship him too. He doesn't want to worship Jesus. <laughs> he has bad plans for Jesus. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to read for you what his response, King Herod's response is to the arrival of Jesus. When Jesus changed his story, let me tell you what his response was. Matthew chapter 2, this is just after the wise men left. Okay, After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child, that's Jesus, and his mother, that's Mary, the angel said, stay there until, you, uh, until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he re realized that the wise men had out outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. That's a bad response. Right? I want you to imagine, he, he just committed like mass murder. Right? And the reason he did it was because he felt threatened by Jesus. This is part of the Christmas story. It's in the Bible. You can read it. Matthew chapter 2. It's all right there. King Herod was threatened by Jesus. Are you threatened by Jesus? I'm guessing you haven't made an order to kill a bunch of babies. Okay, that's good. Seriously. But if you're threatened by Jesus, we tend to react in the same way by saying no. Saying, no, no, I'm not doing that. That's, that's too, 
that's too much. I, I don't want to go there. Right? Because we feel threatened sometimes by the story changing. And the question I want to ask you all here today is this. What is your response to Jesus? What is your response to Jesus? Are you leaning in? Are you stepping in? Or are you, if you're going to be honest, stepping out? You're like, I don't think I want anything to do with that. Where are you at? How are you responding to Jesus today? Because here's the truth. When we respond with a yes to Jesus, two things are going to happen. One, God is going to call you into things and to do things that you wouldn't normally do. Okay? This might be uncomfortable. These might just be sacrifice things. This, is, this might be where like you normally would be sitting in a recliner doing this, right? Anybody else like sitting in a recliner and doing this? I like that. I do. I do. I'm serious. Like there are times I'm a pretty active guy, but I love just being active and doing things, hiking, all kinds of stuff. I love that. But one of the things that I also love to do is I love to get to the end of the day in the evening, kick it out, do that. And by the way, it's terrible for your back, just so you know. Right? Because when I get out of that thing, I'm like, oh man, I just, it's the lower back, right? I love it. I just love sitting here. When we say yes to God, you know what God will do? God will start calling us out of the comfort mode sometimes and saying, I need you to do that a little less because I need you to do this. I want you to engage with this. I want you to sacrifice for this. I want you to give yourself to this. Right? Sometimes, that's, that's the first thing that happens. Sometimes the second thing that's going to happen, though, is when he asks you to get involved in his story, you're going to start having impact on people around you in an amazing way, and it's going to be life-altering for them. And that's when you realize, oh, it's really important that I say yes to these things. Let me give you one example, and I'm going to kind of finish with this. So uh, remember that Detroit airport story that I told you? Uh, I was going through a whole bunch of old pictures because that night when we were at the airport, I took a picture of all the planes lined up at the terminal because one of our windows, remember that hotel that I asked for? We got to stay there. <laughs> so that was good. Okay. But there was a window that looked out at all the airplanes, and I took a picture because the planes were just piled with snow. And so I wanted to show you how bad this snowstorm was. I was just interested in it. It was really probably just for me, not so much for you, but I wanted you to see it. So I was looking for it. You know why I didn't show it to you? Because I never found it. It's in there somewhere. You know all the folders that you have, digital photos, like everywhere, like for by year. I have just thousands of those, and I went through them. I spent like, I don't know, 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes looking for this dumb picture, right, of snow piled on planes. Shouldn't have not, should not have taken that long, I'm just saying. But here's what's interesting. I thought I was looking through those pictures to find that picture of the snow on the airplanes. This is why God had me looking for that picture, because I came across some other pictures that I'd forgotten about. I'm going to show them to you here in a minute. And it's not going to make probably a whole lot of sense as to why these mean so much to me. But they do. And I'll tell you why. So before Laura and I moved here, I was a children's ministry pastor at another church, at a large church in North Dakota. And, um, 
And so we had this midweek kids ministry on Wednesday nights, amazing kids ministry, and it was called, we called it Extreme Kids. We're like, be extreme for Jesus, right, kind of a thing. Um, so I, I know it is cheesy, I get it, but, you know, this is the best I can do, okay? So it was called Extreme Kids. And so we, we had this Wednesday night ministry, that's what we did. And uh, we had this, the, it was kindergarten all the way through sixth graders, okay? This kids ministry on Wednesday night. We had tons of kids that would come to the church on Wednesday night. And we had this uh, group of fifth and sixth grade kids, right? Fifth and sixth graders. And I don't know about you. Some of you in here, you're in fifth and sixth grade, okay? You guys are awesome, but I'm about to tell you, you guys are just strange. Like, and it's awesome. I, I think it's great. Tanner is like on, he's almost there, right? He's just kind of in that mode. It's like, what are you guys doing? You know, I don't know where you guys are running all the time. And so we have these fifth and sixth grade. And so what we decided to do is we knew we needed to divide the boys and the girls, right? Because they started to get a little weird. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, oh, boys, girls. You know, they started to, like, be aware of that. And so we're like, okay, let's split them. We're going to have a group of leaders for the girls, the fifth and sixth grade girls. And we're going to have a group of leaders for the fifth and sixth grade boys. The problem is I needed some men who were faithful followers of Christ who could pour into and invest in these guys. But they're fifth and sixth grade boys. So who is like... Yes, please. I've wanted to always do that. That's been my dream for my whole life. Those people don't exist. Okay? Just so you know. And so, uh, we, Laura and I are praying. We're asking. We're recruiting. We're talking about, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so we find these three guys. One of them was actually already involved in the kids' ministry. These other two guys we asked to jump in and start for the very first time. Uh, their names are Kevin Christensen. Now, let me just tell you about these guys. Kevin Christensen was a Harley Davidson guy. I mean, talk about black leather through and through. He owns a drill bit company. I kid you not. Okay? Just imagine this guy. Like, like yeah, don't mess with him. Right? Kind of a thing. Uh, Kevin Christensen. Uh, Randy Gabrud. Randy Gabrud uh, was a former alcoholic. Found Jesus. Completely changed his life around defeated it like, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, like a long time ago, walking with Jesus ever since. Just one of those guys that just shoots straight at you, like calls his as he sees it, just amazing. And, and then this guy named Tom Block, if you want to hunt or fish or ice fishing or whatever, anything outdoors, he knows how to do it, he knows how to get it, he knows where to go, like it's a done, and he grew up in North Dakota his whole life. In fact, all three of these guys did, right? And so they're just like, they're as tough as they come, right? And, and so we asked these three guys, Tom Block was already involved, but the other two guys, we asked them, would you be willing to take the fifth and sixth grade boys? And I was like, for sure this is a no, but uh, we're going to ask anyway, right? And they both said yes. Again, I'm going to pause in this moment and tell you, when God calls you to do something, sometimes it's going to be a pastor. <laughs> when God calls you to do something, consider what you're supposed to do even when it's hard, even when it's uncomfortable. I'm thankful that they said yes. And every year, I, I wasn't even going to tell all this stuff, but this is just, it's coming to my mind. Every year, uh, they would come to me and say, Brent, I'm, we're not sure if we can do this again. <laughs> and then I said, okay, cool. I'm going to ask you just to pray about it, and then we'll come back, we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. You know what they said every time they came back? Okay, we're going to do it again. It's a yes. These guys 
poured out themselves every single Wednesday night from September through May, took a break in the summer, and just invested in these guys like crazy, these fifth and sixth grade boys. To this day, to this day, they're still connected with a bunch of them, investing in them. And these, these, these fifth and sixth grade boys, they're grown men now. Just imagine that. And I found these pictures of this night where we had one of those Wednesday nights and, and we had tried to raise money through the kids' ministry for this orphanage called the Hepzibah Children's Home, okay? And we wanted the kids to do it. We didn't want the, the, any of the adults to be involved in actually giving any of the money. We wanted all the kids, to, the kids to do it. And they really stepped up. I can't remember what the goal was, but we surpassed the goal. They, they raised almost $300, just kids, elementary school kids. It was amazing. And uh, if we surpassed the goal, you know what these guys did? Tom Block... And Kevin Christensen agreed to have their head shaved in front of all the kids while they were cheering. Right? Have you ever seen these moments? This is amazing. And it shows you the love. And so when I was looking for that picture, I came across these pictures of that night. I had completely forgotten about that night. And there's this incredible joy in the room as these guys' heads are being shaved. And, and all the kids are watching. We had, we had I don't know, just tons of kids watching that night cheering and just getting excited and we showed the total number of money that they raised all this stuff but I want to I just I want to show you these pictures uh, throw those pictures up there these are just a few of the pictures right hello that's the back of Tom Block's head uh this is Kevin Christensen he's getting shaved by his wife there <laughs> of course we got her involved right and she loved it by the way and then, uh, but this, you can kind of see all the kids in the background there on that one picture. Like, and they were just kind of doing this. Kevin and Tom Block got back, back and forth and involved and shaving each other's head. But let me just tell you that they did all of that to show these kids, this is how much we love Jesus. This is how much you can make a difference. This is how much you need to be involved in the, the story that God is writing. I have a picture of these two guys. Let's go to that last picture. This is, uh, I love that. They are, they are characters. These two guys, and I don't have a picture of Randy. I don't know why, but these three guys have changed lives, literally. I know that. And some of you are currently doing that as a part of this church. So let me just encourage you, keep going, because usually you don't see the fruit right now. You get your head shaved, and you're like, what am I doing? And later on, God will bring somebody back to you and they're going to say, I had no idea. I had no idea how much impact you were going to have on me. But I need you to know that I'm following Jesus or I'm doing this and I'm married to this person and I'm, and I'm doing this. I'm thriving because of you. God wants you to be a part of his story. And the question is, what is your response going to be? Are you willing to say yes? Are you willing to step in, whatever that is, and say, God, I'm in. Whatever you need, I'm in. Yes, I'm here. How are you going to respond this Christmas to Jesus? He's got a great story for you. The question is, are you willing to be a part of it? You know why Jesus came to this earth? He came for you. He came for you because he loves you. 
Jesus came for us, every one of us. Do you believe it? Will you accept it? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, in this moment, whatever you're asking people to say or to do or however they need to respond, I pray that they would do that. You interrupted Mary right in the middle of her day. You interrupted Joseph in the middle of a dream. And they responded by saying, yes, I believe you. Yes, I'm in. Let's go. God, there is a room full of people and there are people watching or listening online. God, you are calling them to do great things just like Kevin and Tom and Randy uh, back in Williston, when they answered the call, they said yes, and they invested into those, those boys, and they had a huge impact. God, and I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful for everybody here in our church at Northridge who is constantly and consistently pouring themselves out for the kids, pouring themselves out to the youth, pouring themselves out on the worship team, pouring themselves out on Sunday mornings, pouring themselves out to do ministry throughout the week. Because, God, we are here to serve and to follow you, to love you. And you. But you showed us the way first. You loved us first. You came for us. And so as we end our service today, may we be reminded that we simply, all we have to simply do is that we have a choice. We simply respond. How are we going to respond? Is it going to be a yes or are we going to step in? You came for us. Now what are we going to do with it? Help us to respond to you, Jesus, in this moment with whatever that is and however that needs to be. May we respond now to you. Thank you for coming for us. We pray this and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.